Good morning. Hey, before we get going on the message, I just would, I would like to take a moment to um, personally thank each and every single one of you who, who realized yesterday I was a Michigan fan and um, decided to reach out to me and let me know every single time Ohio State scored one of their 61 points yesterday. Oh, 62. Yes, I'm aware it was 62. Just give me the one point, okay? Um, I also noticed, you know, our worship, our worship leader, Kim, she's an Ohio State fan, and um, Kim, just a little too celebratory this morning, okay? Um, I had prepared this message that was going to be very um, celebratory if Michigan had won, and as a result, um, we're not there. So we're going to go to the Book of Lamentations this morning. And we're just going to weep and wail, okay? Sound good? <laughs> when I asked God for humility, I did not mean that yesterday. <laughs> so anyhow, will you pray with me and then we'll dive in. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you. Thank you for your presence in our lives over and over and over. And even when life feels like we're just waiting and waiting and waiting, you continue to show your faithfulness as we, as we just sang. And so we pray this morning. Soften our hearts and um, speak. Speak through your word. Um, let let uh, no, no words, no obstacles, no thoughts get in the way. We just want your word this morning. And so um, shape us. Fill us with life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, hey, I do want to address something that actually happened. Um, it was just a few days ago. It happened in our country. It happened actually, whether you're aware of it or not, to every single person in this room. Okay, it happened Thursday uh, in each time zone, probably between the hours of 3 and 5 p.m. What happened Thursday was the pivot point in our nation, okay? And, and every single person in here went through this. Thursday, around somewhere around 3 p.m., give or take a few hours, our nation went from grateful for to give me more, all right? Grateful for what I've been given to a cart full of what am I getting, okay? We, we spent almost a day being thankful, right? We've talked about that the, these last couple weeks. We spent almost a day being thankful, and then now we turn to a month of gimme, gimme, gimme. And so, I, uh, I actually thought that I was immune to this. But as I listened to some people around me, I realized, wow, people are like actually planning for this. Like, I talked to somebody who said, I, I'm not going to have turkey on Thanksgiving because the tryptophan might make me tired in my decision-making. When I get to the store, it could be really tough. But I, I don't know about you, I could actually feel when the doors were opening in some of the stores on Thanksgiving afternoon. And, and I could feel when at Amazon, it's like they turned the knob to increase the ads and the emails and all that stuff. And I realized... This is, this is happening for all of us. Now, I thought I got out. I thought I escaped it because I got to the end of Thursday and I was like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. I, I somehow got past it. And then Friday came. And, and Friday started out well. We went and saw a movie, had lunch with some friends. And then I got home Friday afternoon and it was time to put up Christmas lights on the house. Now, if, there, if there's one place that I get incredibly inspired and I get incredibly um, just visionary, it's the Christmas light hanging. And so I had gotten our lights up on the gutters, and here's what happens. I'll get a strand up, I'll come down the ladder, I'll go out and stand in the middle of the street, and I just go, 
hmm, I bet one more strand right there would just really accentuate that side of the house. And so um, I just thought one more strand, one more strand. And so what did I do? I hopped on Amazon and I found the strand of lights that would match what we have. But here's what Amazon has figured out inside all of us. If you scroll, you don't you dare scroll when you go to Amazon, okay? If you scroll, they have this little section that says, you may also like. And I saw when I scrolled, they said, you may also like a scarf. And I was like, well, duh, if you're hanging Christmas lights, it's cold out. Oh my gosh, I need a scarf. And then next to that, there was a loofah. And I was like, well, yeah, it makes sense. You work up a sweat hanging Christmas lights and, oh my gosh, I need a loofah. And so Christmas lights, a scarf, and a loofah. But if you scroll further down, okay, I said don't scroll once. Do not scroll twice because they have another section. Customers who bought what you bought also bought. And I went, oh my goodness, sunglasses. Yes, I do need sunglasses because if it's sunny, the sun could get in my eyes and I, it could just mess up the Christmas light hanging. And it's just one more thing after another, over and over and over. And guess what? That's in all of us. And that is not that, is not that marketers are evil. Okay, marketers actually, that is a job well done because they have figured something out inside of all of us. That we have this desire that's really insatiable for more. For more, we constantly want more and they know how to feed it to us. And so, these last couple weeks, instead of looking ahead at what was coming, we decided to look back. And we're taking November to remember. And we looked at a couple interactions that Jesus had, but this morning, I want to look at something very practical. It's, it's in this book called Hebrews. It's toward the end of your Bible, if you flip there. If not, it'll be on the screen. But the writer of Hebrews, it's just two verses that we're going to unpack this morning. But the writer of Hebrews unpacks something within us. There's actually an assumption that we all make that we're going to talk about. And then they actually face us with this reality and the answer to the tension between the two. Now, let me just ask you a quick question before we dive into the, the passage. That thing in us that just always wants more, assuming shoplifting is out of the question for you. I'm just going to, I'm going to assume that's out of the question for you. Assuming shoplifting is out of the question, what do we need in order to get more most of the time? Money. Money. And that is exactly where we're going to pick up in Hebrews. This is chapter 13, verse 5. They say this very simply, keep your lives free from the love of money. Keep your lives free from the love of money. Now, it's really easy to read that and, and assume something different than what it actually says. Because there are two words in there that we have to hold on to, and it's love of money. See, we like to think it says, keep your lives free from money. Or many of us have, have maybe quoted that verse that many know in the Bible that we think it says money is the root of all evil. Because inside us, there's this thing that if I can just point at money as the issue, then I don't have to worry about me having an issue. If money has the issue, then I'm a victim of money's issues. But the writer of Hebrews says, no, it's the love of money. See, money is not 
the issue. Love is the issue. When the love of the heart moves into what money can get us, what money can do for us, well, that's our issue. It's kind of like, have you, have you had the maybe unfortunate experience of hanging Christmas decorations on a ladder? Not on a ladder, but from a ladder onto something. It's, it's kind of like the heart that's tied with, with a love for money, it's kind of like going up that ladder. And um, I don't know if you guys have experienced this. I experience this all the time because look at these arms. These are short, bare arms, okay? So what happens is I go up the ladder and I get about this far over and then I'm faced with a choice. I can go back down, I can move the ladder to position myself to hang the next decoration, but what do we often want to do? We often want to go up a rung, bad idea, or we want to reach a little further. And what the writer of Hebrews is getting at here is that when a heart is attached with a love for money, it's like going up one more rung. Or it's like reaching a little bit further than we ought to reach. And instead of one more bulb, one more decoration, you know what we do? We say one more purchase. One more purchase. And the consequence is to fall, not off a ladder, but into a mountain of debt. And that's the unsettling piece of this appetite for more inside of us. Because we all want more, but there's something really unsettling about the debt that that need for more creates. Well, the writer of Hebrews is actually going to couple this with another idea. Look at this in its entirety. Keep your lives free from the love of money. And be content with what you have. Be content with what you have I mean, I want to find the writer of Hebrews and say, have you not heard of upgrades? Do you not know about app updates? Why, why would you say such a thing? And we'll see in a moment what, what he's really getting at here. You have to look at the context that this verse is placed in. Because if you look, if you just look at the four verses before this verse, you understand the implications of being discontent with what we have. Let me just read the beginning of each of the verses before this verse. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. Continue to remember those in prison. And marriage should be honored by all. I know it seems like a bunch of random thoughts, but do you see a thread running through those verses? Let me go through them again. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Emphasis, relationship. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. Emphasis, relationship. Continue to remember those in prison. Emphasis, relationship. And marriage should be honored by all. Emphasis, relationship. I'll give you one guess as to what is most affected when we can't be content with what we have. It's relationship. And, and so what we have to ask ourselves in the midst of this wanting more and wanting more and wanting more is, is the price I'm going to pay for this worth it? Let me give you an example. The iPhone X. Does anybody in here know what the iPhone X retails for without a contract? $999. $999. Now, let me just give you a hypothetical situation. 
Let's just say, hypothetical, only hypothetical, let's just say you work at a church, okay? <laughs> you would have to work 999 hours to pay for that iPhone X, <laughs> all right? It's hypothetical. I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about other churches, like East Bulls Community Church, all right? <laughs> so, but see, that, that price tag does not actually reflect money. That price tag reflects time. That price tag reflects time. And time spent working to buy the iPhone X, the boat, the car, the fill in the blank, is time not spent on what? Relationships. See, there is a cost to our discontentment. It's not that those things are bad. It's not that the money is bad. It's our love of the money and our love of the things that the writer of Hebrews says, oh, that could get you off track. That could really get you off track. They say right now, on average in the United States, this was a survey done last year, that the average amount of time that mothers in the United States get to spend with their children in a week averages about 14 hours. For dads, that hovers just above eight hours. And when you think about it in those terms, it's a lot easier to stand there in front of the iPhone X or whatever it is and go, is it worth it? Is my discontentment with what I have, is it worth the price that I'll have to pay? See, there's, there's an assumption that we make that more stuff fills us up. And the writer of Hebrews will say, no, more stuff will not fill you. It will actually, more often than not, fail you. More often than not, it will fail you. A couple weeks ago, I, uh, I shared with you guys that our, our little guy, Lincoln, five years old, he is, um, to some extent, he is a hoarder, okay? He hoards things. In fact, um, let me just take a, show you this picture. This was actually this morning. This is his bin in his room, and this is a treasure chest of all the things that he has figured out we need desperately when we're trying to get ready in the morning. So, my wallet has been found inside there. This morning's sermon was found inside there, okay? We have found, um, I actually, no joke, took that lid off one day. There was a spark plug from our garage inside there. In the midst of all his Legos, we have found bars of soap. We have found, actually, there was a $20 bill in there. I said, Kara, have you ever, has, has any of our family ever given him a $20 bill? She was like, no. I, I, we stick with pennies and dimes. He's happy with that stuff. So I asked him, where'd you, where'd you find that $20 bill? He was like, in your nightstand. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so we have to have a discussion about why this is wrong. He's like, well, it was in there. And I was like, wow. But here's what happens is Lincoln creates a lot of tension when we discover all this. Because in the midst of trying to find our stuff, what is getting affected? The relationship. We're just getting a little bit irritated. And I think that's a microcosm of what happens when we can't be content. And so you want to look at the writer of Hebrews and say, okay, so then what is the answer to this? What's the answer? And he is going to actually finish. This is still the same verse. Look at this. Now let's put all this together. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you. 
never will I forsake you. Now, this is not just something that he just pulled out of the air. This is actually a callback. He's referencing Deuteronomy chapter 31. And this was a time when Moses was told, you are not going to enter the promised land with the Israelites. They had been wandering and wandering and wandering. They finally arrive at the promised land and they get there and God says, you're not going in. Uh, It's actually going to be Joshua. And so Moses is talking to the Israelites and he's talking to Moses and he says, basically, be strong. Take courage because he's delivering you into the promised land and never will he leave you. Never will he forsake you. And so, the first situation we see that God says, I'm with you, is actually in this, in this incredible blessing. But there are other seasons of life, aren't there? And here's what's so interesting to me, is that Deuteronomy is not the only place that that statement is made. You, you could go further back into Genesis. Jacob is looking around. He knows about the promise from God to just expand Abraham's descendants. And yet, Jacob has a moment where he's looking at just what's going on in front of him, and it's just not matching up with the promise. And he has this dream. And the Lord says in that dream, I will not leave you or forsake you until I have accomplished what I have promised. You get to the book of Isaiah, and God's people are about to be sent into captivity. But as a reassurance, as they're heading into captivity... There's a statement in there in chapter 41 that says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I'm with you. We come to Jesus. He's been resurrected. He's about to ascend into heaven. And what does he do? He he gives the great commission. And he says, go and make disciples. And then you know what he says? For I am with you always. Paul, Paul writing from the confines of a prison to to this church, to the Philippians. You know what he says? He says, the presence of God, the Holy Spirit will guard your hearts and minds. The peace that he gives will guard your hearts and minds. You know what that's a statement of? I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. And so in every season of life, you know what God says? I'm with you. I'm faithful to you in blessing, in uncertainty, in in times when you need reassurance, when you go about your purpose that I created you for, and even in difficulty. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Now, that's a bit of a departure from our normal mode of operating because when we get into times of blessing, a lot of times, what do we want? More, right? If I could just... Well, if I could just amplify the season of blessing, I'm going to hop on Amazon and see what they also recommend. We're in times of difficulty. If I could just find something that would take my mind off of it and we look for more to fill it. And God says, no, you have me. I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. And and this is really the writer of Hebrews' answer to that thing in us that wants more. It's that faithful, that that things and that thing from that thing in us that wants more it actually will never fill us it's god's faithfulness that fills us and so these last couple of weeks we've been going through this series taking november to remember and if you weren't here on the first week of the series you know what we talked about just make a list 
Make a list, not of what you want God to do for you, but what he's already done for you. And we spent the last couple of weeks looking at that list and thinking about that list because you know what that list actually represents? His faithfulness. That list is his faithfulness. See, we need that reminder in order to be truly grateful for what he's done in our lives and his presence in our lives we got to be pointing back to those moments. It's not more stuff that fills us. It's his faithfulness. Perhaps to me, one of my favorite, favorite pictures of this idea actually comes from, if you've, how many of you have been out to the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier at Arlington National Cemetery? There is a, a guard that is constantly at this tomb. And the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, um, it represents those who were lost that we don't know from World War I, World War II, the Korean War, and the Vietnam War. And so when this tomb was put in place, there was actually a guard established to keep watch over this tomb. And every single hour of every single day since 1937, there has been a guard at this tomb. And it is incredible to watch. It's, it's slow and methodical. They do a changing of the guard every single hour during the day and at night every two hours. When it gets to be summer, they actually move it every half hour because if you've been out there, you know how hot it gets on the East Coast with the humidity in the summer. But every single day, meticulously, these guards guard the tomb of the unknown soldier. Now, the amount of time and the dedication and the commitment and just how meticulous they are about it, that's impressive enough. And when it gets hot, that's, that's impressive too, that they're there. But you want to know what's most incredible? This picture was actually thought to have been taken in the middle of Hurricane Irene. Middle of Hurricane Irene, when it slammed the East Coast. One of the stories that came out of this was that the commanding officers actually issued an order to the guards at the tomb that there's like a shelter that they could continue to um, walk back and forth and pace and keep guard at. Do you want to know what the soldiers said? No. No. I'm going to stay right here. These guys gave their lives for us, so I'm going to stay right here. And when they're not guarding it, do you know where they are? They're actually in sleeping quarters below the tomb. They spend their time in that area. Now think of it. Your heavenly father, every single hour, is standing watch, is faithful to you and me. Every single hour. And that has some implications for us and that thing in us that just wants more and wants more and wants more. He moves into, there's, there's just one more verse, one more verse out of the two this morning. But here's what he says. He says, so, so in light of what was just said, so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me. See, when you realize, and when I realize that we have a heavenly father who is faithful to us, who says, I will never leave you or never forsake you, two things happen, two things shift. Number one, he just said it, confidence. 
our confidence shifts. And, and you've heard this before. You likely have heard this before. Our confidence shifts from what I have to who I have. Suddenly, I don't have to stand there in front of the iPhone X or the thing, you know, at the store, and whatever it is I want to purchase, and say, oh, I got to have that, or I'm not enough. I got to have that, or I'm really scared of what people are going to think of me. I got to have it. He says, no. You can stand there, and you can be confident, not in what you have or don't have, but who you have. How many of you, just be honest, have plans to go to the store today, do a little Christmas shopping? <laughs> You're all like, well, I did have plans, Nathan. <laughs> okay, I'm going to assume some of you are lying and that uh, somebody's going to the store today. Maybe the best thing we could do, listen, go get what you were going to get. But when, when that voice says more, 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 one of the best things you could do is look at it. When that voice says, need more stuff, your best answer is, he is enough. Our best answer to need more stuff is, he is enough. I'm kind of hoping some of you go to the store and you just so have to, you so have to like scream this out loud to keep from buying more. Please record that if you do it, okay? Um, but our confidence shifts when we recognize that he is with us, that he won't leave us, that he'll never forsake us, then our confidence shifts from what we have to who we have. But there's something else in that verse that also shifts, if you look closely. It's the, the things that drive our decision-making, they lose their power. They lose their power. Because why are we often trying to upgrade and keep up and get more? Whose opinion are we worried about usually when we do that? It's people. It's people. And when we get stuff, that sends us in, down the road of, well, how, how, can, how do I compare to everybody else and how do I protect the stuff I have? And this is an invitation to say, you know what? It doesn't matter what people think. They are mere mortals. Next time I want you to look at people when you're worried about what they think and I want you to think mere mortal. It sounds like... Um, Lord of the Rings, it sounds like Gandalf right now, but I want you to think they're mere mortals. It doesn't matter what they think. And suddenly the stuff and the discontentment and the appetite for more, it loses all of its power. One last thought. This also, this reference that the writer of Hebrews says here, let me read it again. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? That again is not just something he pulled out of thin air. That actually comes out of a psalm. It's Psalm 118. And Psalm 118 begins with this line. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. And that psalm ends with the line, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Now, if you were to study the Psalms, this psalm is referred to as a messianic psalm. In other words, this psalm specifically pointed to a Messiah, to a Savior. And this line in the middle of that psalm is a reminder that stuff is not the only thing that screams out more, more, more. You know what else screams more at you and I? 
sin. That thing in our heart that wants to get attached to money or power or whatever it is, that screams more. And this psalm is a reminder that while sin shouts need more, the Savior whispers, he's enough. He's enough. And so, as the worship team comes up here uh, for one more song, um, it's just one question. If that Savior is enough, if that Savior is the answer to not just the physical stuff in our lives, but the sin in our lives, then the only question left to ask is, do you know him? Do you know the Savior of your soul? Because when you discover he's enough, then you don't need any more. If you've never met him, if you don't know him, could I invite you during this song, there will be some Stephen ministers up around the room, around the edges. I'll be in the back there. If you want to know him, if you want to experience that he is enough, come find us. And we'll go before him together. All right. Let's stand and worship for one more song.